Hello mamas and welcome to episode 11 of Bump to Mum. I'm your host Emma and this week I am bringing you an episode with Becky. Becky is a mum to two girls with a 20 month age gap. This is something that her and her husband chose um, and she shares with us what that has looked like for them, challenges, what they've verily enjoyed, their feeding experience, she talks about tandem feeding, she is also at a point now where she has been breastfeeding for four years. Becky was also a NICU nurse for 10 years and when she became pregnant with her first they made the decision as a family that she would um, be a stay-at-home mum. So we talk about you know the financial sacrifices around that, what their day-to-day looks like and also talk about the business that she created as a result of more of a hobby but um, has now become her side hustle and is, is allowing her to stay home with her girls. I really enjoyed this chat with Becky. She is someone that just reached out to me on Instagram wanting to share her story with others and I think it's such a a cool and unique um, motherhood experience to share with others, especially if you are someone that has got a close age gap or you're, you know, expecting and there is going to be a close age gap. Becky really, um, I guess, is really open about her experience. As always, this is a platform for mothers to share their experiences. I'm not advocating for any particular approach. This is really just two mums sitting down chatting and sharing what they've been through, what's worked, what hasn't, and hoping that it will help some other mums out there. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I would love if you could leave a review if you do. And yeah, enjoy. Hey, Becky. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. I would love you to introduce yourself to anyone that has dialed into this episode and tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Okay, cool. Hey, Emma. Um, my name is Becky or Rebecca. Um, I go by Eva. I am a mum of two girls, um, Nova and Eleanor, and they are four and two and a half. Um, and I'm married to my husband, James, and we live in Lower Hutt, New Zealand. I was a nurse um, for about mm. nine years, and I absolutely loved it um, with all my heart. It was the best career ever. Mm. Um, but I, when I had my first child, I just really felt really strongly about um, staying at home Mm. With my kids while they were younger and my husband um, felt the same as well. And um, I did do a little bit of casual work between my girls. But once I had two at home and they were close together, um, I made the decision to leave nursing, which was a huge decision at the time. But I'm, like, so happy with it now. And Mm. um, a little while after that, I started my own business. um, So reselling secondhand children's clothes, vintage clothing, um, and renting children's occasion wear, which I do online. So cool. And so do, where do you source all the like clothes that you sell? So I source about 90% from charity shops. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so um, that way I'm donating significant amounts of money to charities while I'm running the business um, yeah. and also just helping them move stock because they're so overloaded. Um, mm. And then I get a small amount um, from just people that I know, family and friends um, close to me and also around the world um, looking out for things for me as well. So that tops up. Awesome. I had a little look at your Instagram and it's nice twice. I'll tag it in the show notes for anyone that's keen to check it out. But such cool stuff. Like, you know, it's, um, I'm just don't have the eye for that sort of stuff. But that's why it's so amazing that there's people like you that do make it easier to find us. Yeah, there's so many people, so many mums who want to shop secondhand and just either don't have the time because they're working or don't have the accessibility because. They, they live rurally and they don't have the shops near them or they've got lots of kids and it's just so hard to take kids to the op shop. So it's just like I just want to create accessibility to secondhand shopping basically. So yeah. That's what Aww. I do. Amazing. And so you've got, is Nova your oldest or Eleanor? Yes. Yeah, Nova's my oldest. So she's four. You've had two under two. You've yeah. got Nova who's four. So you've got uh, quite a like small gap between girls. I'd love you to share with everyone, you know, how you found that, um, what worked well, what was a struggle. Um, I think it's something that people talk about a lot and I'd love to hear your perspective on it all. Yeah, for sure. Um, It was 
something that we planned. So um, mm-hmm. that's always people's first question. Like, did you plan it this way? And we totally <laughs> did, um, probably quite naively that um, planned it that way. But even when I was pregnant with Nova, we when we were looking for a pram, um, we were even looking then at like something that could convert to a double if we had two close together and that sort of thing. So it definitely was in our like realm of imagination that we would always have two close together. Mm. Um, and Nova was, I would say, a like unicorn child. Um, she was like sleeping through the night at five weeks old. And oh my gosh, like, okay. I was honestly, I was so, I was so smug. Um, and my antenatal friends will tell you that I was so smug, and it's so embarrassing now because I was like, yeah, my child's perfect, like motherhood's so easy, right, right, right. And it's totally not that way at all. Um, <laughs> it's all right she's getting me back now that she's four years old but um we just yeah we found that she was like quite easy so we thought yeah let's like go and have another one we were um in our late 20s and like you know life was sort of set up for us to accommodate a second child easily um so we started trying again when nova was about nine months old and it took us a couple of months um, and then I fell pregnant with Eleanor. Um, I found out the week after Nova's first birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was great. Um, went through pregnancy. While I was pregnant with Eleanor um, in 2020, we got hit with COVID, obviously. Um, and that was like another thing altogether. I suddenly had this... Um, young toddler 15 month old toddler and I was like pregnant um Mm. and it was quite scary um yeah but you know we got through that and I um, managed to deliver her sort of out of lockdowns which was really nice um and to be fair I found the first probably the first six months um much easier than I expected I, okay. I sort of worked myself up to think, oh, this is going to be so hard. I had, you know, two in nappies and um, by then Nova was uh, going through some sleep stuff and waking up overnight as well. And I'm thinking, oh, I've got two, like waking mm. up overnight and um, two really dependent children. But I found the first six months um, much easier than I expected. And then probably from six months, from when Eleanor was about six months till about 18 months, I found really hard um, mm. sort of that two toddlers um, sort of age. And now we've come out of that through the other side and it's amazing again. So it's definitely like, you know, seasons, like everything is in motherhood. But, um, mm. yeah, it was totally different to how I thought. I thought it would be really hard to start with and then just like get gradually easier. But it was like mm. easier and then really hard and now it's getting easier again. So that was interesting, yeah. So at that six-month mark, when Eleanor was six months and that's when things started to get harder, was it because Eleanor became, you know, was it Eleanor that changed that made things more difficult or was it no becoming more of a toddler? I think it was definitely, like, both combined. Um, Mm. Eleanor has been more challenging in in a number of ways than Nova was, Um, more challenging with her sleep and um so that's mm. you know an added um an added thing when you think about all the fatigue um but she was also um not as independent as early on so she mm. like really needed somebody in the room with her all the time and Nova was never like that um Nova was really happy to sort of play and entertain herself and I could go and put the washing on or go and cook dinner or whatever and she would be happy um mm. but Eleanor um had a need for me to be with her a lot more um yeah. and she was later to move as well so she couldn't she didn't walk till she was 16 months so um which is fine and totally within the realm of normal but mm. um she couldn't like as easily just tottle off, off after me I had to pick her up and carry her um mm. And then when they turn six months, you know, you've, you're starting to think about solids and, like, oh, yeah. all these extra <laughs> extra things that you need to think about. You can't just, like, oh, we'll just leave the house and I don't have yeah. to think about 
snacks and all that sort of thing. So there was just like extra, extra bits like that. And definitely the, um, I mean, some would say clinginess. I don't like to use that term, but she was yeah. definitely um, more, yeah, needed um, more company than Nova did. Yeah. So would you like yeah. baby wear, like wear her in the front pack or how oh, did you Oh, yeah. Of- yeah. Yeah. I baby wore her until her second birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good and strong, and doesn't still, it? <laughs> yeah. Even still, um, I still wear her on my back quite a lot even now at like almost three. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, which is actually I find on her, on my back um, much easier than on my front. But yeah, I did um, baby wear a lot more than I thought I would. Mm. Mm. And so when you fell pregnant with Eleanor, were you breastfeeding over at that time? Were you bottle feeding? What did that look like from like a feeding perspective? Because I know for some women, if they are breastfeeding and they get pregnant, they, they're just actually just like, I can't breastfeed anymore. And that kind of ends their journey. So I'd love you to share with us how your feeding looked for both the girls. Yeah. So I was still feeding Nova um, when I fell pregnant with Eleanor and I was really lucky that um, breastfeeding didn't seem to affect my cycle. Um, mm. So I got my cycle back probably because Nova's sleep was so good, um, but mm. got my cycle back at about four months postpartum with her and just oh, wow. really regular um even though she was breastfeeding a lot during the day. Um, So I was really lucky in that respect. And I was still breastfeeding. And sort of when we were trying with Eleanor, I just sort of thought, oh, we'll just just go with the flow. Like I didn't really have a plan. Um, Mm. I wanted to breastfeed until at least 12 months. um, But I wasn't, yeah, I didn't really have a plan. And I was just sort of happy to, sort of see what happened um Mm. and what did happen was that um we continued breastfeeding right through pregnancy um yeah so and I didn't have very many issues actually at all there was probably a period of about two weeks in the first trimester where I had a little bit of um like sensitivity um Mm. but it was very short-lived and it wasn't like painful I didn't have inversions or anything like that and I was very lucky to have um actually two friends at the same time choose to do the same thing so they um Mm. had breastfeeding toddlers and they were both pregnant um and it was just really great to have that sort of camaraderie um yeah around there's a little bit of I mean there's not a huge amount of stigma but there is like you know looks and stuff that you get from people thinking, oh, why are you breastfeeding your toddler and you're pregnant, mm. that sort of thing. Um, but we honestly, we had no issues, and I know that I'm really lucky um, to have had that experience. Um, and, yeah, I know that my milk definitely dried up um, around, probably right around the middle, maybe 19, 20 weeks. Mm. Um but at the time, Nova was um, quite reliant on feeding to sleep at night, mm. um, but not actually having a lot of milk otherwise um, during the day or during the night. Um, and she just continued to dry nurse as a comfort um, during that time. And at the time, like I said, like we were in lockdowns and COVID was really new. And I was quite happy to just continue doing that for her comfort because the rest of her world was so upside down yeah Um, yeah and I was happy to do that and so we continued on doing that and um then when I had Eleanor um I went into hospital to have Eleanor and I stayed for two nights and that was actually the first time I was away from Nova and I didn't really know how it was going to go and I thought maybe she'll just forget (laughs) I mean at that point I was you know like nine months pregnant and I was very open to the idea of tandem feeding I just didn't really know what it looked like and didn't know anyone who had done it um but I'd done like a little bit of research and stuff and I thought you know like if this is what Nova wants to do then I'm quite happy to just follow her lead um and I did I came home from hospital and she um Obviously, I'd started my breastfeeding journey with Eleanor in hospital, and I came home, and 
um, Nova asked to have some milk and I breastfed her and then we started our tandem feeding journey and I didn't end up weaning Nova until her fourth birthday in November last year. So she had had her last feed um, on her fourth birthday, which we talked about for um, a few months beforehand. Mm. Um, And she um, weaned really easily and she still talks really fondly about um, how she used to have milk at the same time as Eleanor and, Aww. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm still feeding Eleanor at two and a half. So it feels like it's been a really um, easy journey, but also um, when I look back on it, it's been really long. Like, mm. I just, I oh just my goodness, like, yes. yeah, one after the other. Like I've been feeding now um, without a break for more than four years, which is just quite beyond me to think about because it was never like, and it's That's never planned madness. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it just sort of happened organically. And, yeah, sort of every day I was evaluating, am I still happy with this? And I was. And it, that's how it happened. It was it was just very go with the flow. That's incredible. I just yeah. have so many questions popping into my head right now. I'm like, hey. So. <laughs> it kind of feels like this, like, crazy thing that, like, when people hear about it, they're like, what? You fed two kids at the same time. <laughs> I'm just amazed, I think, because I'm breastfeeding one baby um, and I just think of, like, how much, like, I guess I'm thinking, like, how much more milk were you having to produce? And so was Nova just still having that one feed at night and then obviously Eleanor was, yeah, okay. Yeah, so Nova, um, something that I did decide to do um, when I brought Eleanor home from the hospital was to start putting in, some boundaries with Nova in feeding. And it was easy to do because she wasn't feeding very much at all anyway. Um, And so we did just put in some boundaries of um, when she could feed. And that was basically um, first thing in the morning at nap time and at bedtime um, if she wanted to. And she, of course, didn't have to if she didn't want to. Um, And that just helped me... um, yeah, it helped with the sort of relentlessness of it, especially yeah. with a newborn. Um, oh. Yeah, and Nova learnt really quickly that Eleanor was the priority when it came to milk and that sort of thing. Um, and after Eleanor was born, Nova really quickly dropped um, all feeds except for this, like, bedtime feed. Mm. Um, and that's what we continued with um, up until... Yeah, she was four years old. And she became less and less reliant on it for bedtime. Like, she was very happy to go to bed with other people. But um, it kind of almost became, like, this really nice way to connect with her at the end of the mm. day when I had this newborn. And she was still really young. She was, like, 20, 21 months old. Um, yeah. And it just became this really nice way of us having five minutes of just one-to-one time at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and just like winding just, down together. Yeah, like, it, yeah, soothing her. So lovely. Like, mm. I just look back so fondly on those bedtimes um, when it felt like I, like, you know, had to prioritize Eleanor's needs all day. And then finally, Nova got like me at the end of the day for this feed, and it was just so lovely. So, she, yeah, she um, definitely wound down her feeds really quickly after Eleanor was born. And I think there was probably. Um, only two or three times that I got so desperate that I had to feed them both literally at the same time. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And it was like, oh, I remember my husband took a photo that I will never show anybody in the world because (laughs) it's just like postpartum chaos and I've got this tiny newborn and this toddler on me. And it was just like this act of desperation. (laughs) But... um. Yeah, I had a friend who was um, had a similar feeding journey at the same time, and she was far more frequently feeding like both of hers at the same time, and I just thought that was amazing because <laughs> that was definitely a line for me that I really struggled to do that. Yeah, I'm even thinking like so in my like earlier in my feeding journey so when Louis was more of a newborn I got quite touched out because obviously they feed so much in the cluster feeding so how did you get any of that having I guess two babies or wanting to feed and like how did you kind of allow some boundaries for yourself as well so that you you didn't get too touched out yeah I um 
I look back on it now and I feel like I'm more touched out now with two toddlers than I was with two babies. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it's, it's hard to even remember. Um, mm. I do think that my husband used to like give me like half an hour to myself when he, he'd come home from work and I'd just like tap out. Yeah. Um, and um, back then, our sort of rhythms have changed now, but um, back then, my husband used to do bath time as well in the evenings yeah. with both girls, and that just gave me just some space. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't remember being particularly touched out at the time, oh, but so I mean, good. my husband probably has a different story, you know, like <laughs> yeah. um, crazed, possessed woman. But um, yeah, I definitely, I find now probably worse um in that regard than I did then oh interesting is yeah. that because they kind of like climb all over you whereas yeah, like they think, climb yeah. all over you yeah and that sort of thing and I found that like I don't know maybe it's because I found breastfeeding like a bit more productive than them climbing mm. all over me. but yeah and you yeah. would have got so efficient at it I'm sure like I can oh, imagine the first sure. few months were like finding your feet and then you just would have been away and I was very, um, I was super lucky with both of them that um, from really early on, they both uh, they both stretched out their feeds quite well. Um, mm. So I definitely did have like the cluster feeding experience a few times, but it wasn't like an everyday sort of occurrence. Mm. Um, and yeah, like I remember Nova really early, like, me needing to set a timer because she would just go so long without breastfeeding. Oh, wow. Okay, I need to feed you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Eleanor was similar. She probably fed a little bit more often, but she was similar. So, um, yeah, maybe that contributed to me not feeling as touched out. Yeah. And with, I guess, looking after yourself then when you're breastfeeding for, you know, four years, how – you know, we all kind of hear about how, you know, the like when you're breastfeeding, baby's kind of taking what it needs and then you get left with what's left over basically <laughs> for your own health and well-being. Yeah. So how did you kind of make sure that you were nourishing yourself enough, looking after yourself so that you could feed for so long? Yeah, I definitely um, choose the hunger. I just remember the hunger I had. <laughs> I was going to say, were you just eating constantly? I eating. Yeah. Um, I did make sure that I was eating something um, like quite substantial before I went to bed at night. Yeah. I did find that like, um, yeah, during the day, you're right, I would just like eat the scraps off Nova's plate. And, like yeah. just kind of go, go, go. And then I'd have dinner and we, um, you know, we'd have a normal sort of dinner um, but I did find after the girls were in bed, I was having, you know, like oatmeal, muesli, yogurt, mm. cheese. Like, yeah, I just really looked into nice high protein foods um, just to get me through mm. uh, those days. Yeah, I did find the hunger significant with feeding too yeah. um, and being pregnant and feeding actually as well. The hunger was um pretty surreal so yeah. much you like demand like so much demand on your body right like yeah, it's just yeah it's it's crazy. Crazy at the time I didn't feel it but like I'm I'm feeling it now I think okay um yeah we've um I, I'm talking to my husband a lot about like being ready to wean Eleanor and um what that looks like because I'm just a little bit ready to have my body back um mm. not my body back but yeah, just um, it's it's time. It feels like time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just, I can only imagine. And I'm only yeah. seven months in. And I even said to my husband the other morning when we were walking, I was like, because Louis still fully breastfed, like we're introducing solids, but he doesn't really eat enough to drop yeah. any feed yet. And I just said to him, I was like, I love breastfeeding and I am so enjoying this journey and I'm not ready to wean, but I look forward to the day where like, I can wake up and go for a walk before yeah. Louis awake, not have like yeah. big boulder boobs yeah. and someone else can give him breakfast. Like it's just yeah. those things yeah. I think you never think about 
until yeah. you're kind of experiencing breastfeeding, which is just, it's such a dependency and you, you don't is, have that sort of yeah. freedom. Yeah. Like, um, so Nova's four and Eleanor's two and a half, almost three. Um, yeah. And we just last weekend went for our first weekend away without the girls. Um, wow. And it was, I mean, it was blissful. It was great. It was I, amazing, yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> and I've, like, been so nervous for the last three months looking, like, looking forward to it. But um, Eleanor was, like, totally happy to go. 48 hours without having milk and as soon as I got back she was like I want milk so it's it's yeah it's so different as well feeding yeah. a toddler to feeding a baby it's, it's a different experience um yeah there's a there is a lot more freedom but I yeah remember those like days where you feel like oh I've only got two hours what can I do or like yeah. I just need to get out of the house but I need to be back by this time because my husband can't breastfeed the baby or you know yeah and it is it's the it's such like intense dependency yeah and then everyone's like oh you can just pump and someone give them a bottle but it's like that's still just like the time for me to sit there and pump yeah yeah like it kind of defeats the purpose of just actually waking up not having to do anything and like you know yeah I think yeah so when you I, go away then, how do you protect your supply so that you can still come back and feed? Well, feed it's, Ellen, it's or does it just not because, drop? Um, yeah, because I have never pumped. Um, mm. Yeah, and yeah, I've never pumped. So um, <laughs> that is something that I was really nervous about. I thought, oh, geez, what am I going to do? So a couple of weekends before we went away, we had a sort of practice run with the grandparents and the girls spent the night there. And they were away from me from probably about 24 hours. Um, And I didn't do anything. I just, yeah, didn't do anything. And my boobs were fine. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, which I was surprised about. And I just sort of, you know, kept it in the back of my mind. If I start to get Mm. sore or whatever, um, I can hand express. Or I've got an old, Mm. um, like, hucker suction pump that I could try. Yeah. and, yeah, so leading up to this weekend that we had away, I thought, what am I going to do? How am I going to, like, protect my supply? And just protect myself. Like, I've never had mastitis, mm. but I don't particularly want to get it. Like, it's not an experience yeah. that I'm trying to have. Um, and I knew I knew that Eleanor would be okay um, without milk. Like, I knew that it's so much more of a um, comfort than a, you know, nutritional thing for her now. Um yeah. And I, yeah, I knew she's got a great appetite otherwise. So I wasn't worried in that respect. But yeah, I did just want to protect myself and keep myself well. But um, so I took my haka with me um, and I couldn't get anything out with the haka even after like 24, 36 hours. Um, and then, yeah, after 36 hours, I just jumped in the shower and had a warm shower and just hand expressed. Mm. Um, and that was fine. Like I even after that long wasn't feeling... Like, I wasn't feeling sore or particularly full. Like, I could tell that I hadn't fed, but I wasn't, you know, like, in pain or anything. Um, mm. And I just hand-expressed a lot. <laughs> I was yeah. actually surprised yeah. at how much came out. But, yeah, um, and that's all I did. And then the next day we were home and she just continued to feed like normal after that. Amazing. So, yeah, I was actually really surprised um, and really happy. <laughs> um because that was probably my main concern going away mm. was um, how are my boobs going to cope? Yeah. Yeah. Oh and my now gosh, I yeah. I'm like, now where else can we go? Yeah. You're like, <laughs> this works. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can only imagine how like you're going to feel once you have weaned Eleanor and, you know, after four years, your feeding journey yeah. finishes like, I can't even imagine what that would feel like. I'm, I know. I mean, I'll let yeah. you know when it happens. Yeah, please <laughs> I just do. I feel like Eleanor's not ready and I just feel like yeah. she's a bit harder than Nova to win. But we'll just, yeah, we'll just go with go with the flow again and I'm sure it will all work out. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So is there anything that you're at, where you're at in your motherhood at, at the moment, so you've got a four-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Are there any challenges you're currently facing or something you're particularly enjoying about this time? 
Um, I think my biggest challenge at the moment, and it probably always has been this, is just um, weighing up my time and what I can achieve. Mm. Um, yeah, so just trying to, you know, spend good time with the girls and also keep up with, like, the house and try and run a business. Um, and, yeah, just knowing sort of um, what to put my time and energy into and when. Um, and that's that's always been a big challenge for me throughout all of motherhood. And I'm, like, finding it easier as time goes on because the girls are way more independent. Um, you know, we've got kindy a couple of days a week and that gives me some time. Um to get work done and to pick up the house and that sort of thing but yeah it's it's probably just just weighing up my time and splitting it as evenly as I can amongst all of the motherhood tasks and stay-at-home mum tasks yeah yeah and then businesswoman running your own yeah. you know <laughs> it's just woman. yeah it still feels weird to say that I run my own business and it's been like two years <laughs> oh that's so cool so I would love um for you to touch on you know, you left nursing and to, to start your own business and you're working for yourself. Have you got any tips on budgeting? You know, it's something that came mm. up with a listener around, you know, when you go down to a one income or, you know, you know, 1.5 income or, you know, mm. that when you're on maternity leave, how do you have any tips on budgeting or what's worked for you and your family? And I know like it's quite a, private thing financial but mm. is there anything that you guys your family has done so that you are able to do this um I just think it's a, yeah. something that we can talk about more because yeah. you know there's a lot of mums that are choosing to be at home and not work mm. and that comes with sacrifice as well absolutely and I think that's exactly it um is it's just your chosen sacrifice I think mm. um I think yeah, it's such. It can be such a touchy subject as well. Like um, yeah. I remember when I chose to um, be a stay-at-home mum because it wasn't something that I chose straight away. It was, um, you know, when I went on maternity leave from my job, it, the plan wasn't at the time that I wasn't going to go back. It just that's how things developed over time. Um, but I remember having conversations with people saying that there's, um, you know, this underlying sort of, not stigma, but there's this underlying thing with stay-at-home mums that we all must have, like, high-earning husbands and yeah. we all must, you know, have all these assets or be rich somewhere. But it's not it's not that. It's, um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure some people do have high-earning husbands and have lots yeah. of assets. But um, I think it's just choosing, choosing your sacrifice. And some mums want to work because they enjoy their work and they want some time away or they want something for themselves and that's a totally valid choice mm. um and some mums want to stay home and will have to sacrifice in other areas so things that we had to weigh up was um if I don't go back to work which I didn't um will likely have to have less dinners out less brunches out you know like yeah. before we had kids we were out for brunch like every Saturday morning um you know and out for dinner probably a couple of times a week and that sort of thing yeah. um so it was just realizing that all of those extras were going to have to reduce and yeah. we had to evaluate are we will we be happy with that lifestyle yeah. um for a short period of time um and we chose that we were. Um, things like, yeah, holidays. Um, we just had to change the way we looked at holidays. So instead of, um, you know, fancy holidays, we decided to do a camping trip once a year instead. Mm. Um, and that still means that we get a summer holiday with our friends um, and two weeks away, you know, sort of away from the responsibilities of life. But it's a much more affordable way to take a trip um mm. we ended up going down to one car um, okay. but the only reason that we were able to do that was um that my husband had a company vehicle so that was okay. um, yeah that was 
a real blessing for us. Um, so it meant that we sold my car. And actually, we sold my husband's car as well. And then we um, bought one sort of family vehicle. Um, and that's helped to keep our costs down. And then, um, yeah, a big mindset change for me. And it's probably like leaked into me then starting this business that I have. But a big mindset change for me was just um, turning off the noise of just like social media and Instagram and keeping up with the Joneses and needing the latest thing or the like coolest clothes or, you know, like that sort of thing. And just um, really refining what we needed rather than what we wanted or wanted to be seen to have. have. Mm. Um, And that was a huge, that was a huge um, mindset shift for me, particularly. um, Yeah, just, I think it's yeah. such a such good points you make and it's something that I noticed as well as you know when you don't have children you have the time and freedom to eat out heaps and do all these sorts of yeah. things but actually once you have kids that's not something that's as easy so you're 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 making these decisions that okay we can't go out for breakfast and lunches or dinner as much but actually that's just not really what suits your lifestyle anymore once you have kids anyway so it's kind of like yeah it's like you maybe you maybe you can only go out for dinner once a month anyway so it's kind of like just your whole way of living and yeah everything changes and what you spend money on changes and yeah um so I think it's nice just to I think as well, just because like life is just getting more and more expensive, and it, it is, is kind of good to know what what works for some families, and yeah. everyone's situation is so different. But it's cool to see that you guys have made it work, and then obviously it's inspired mm. you to start a little side hustle as well, and um, kind of have that flexibility to to do it all. Yeah, yeah. And when I started my business, it, um, geez, I never imagined that it would become what it has in such a short amount of time but it at the time it definitely wasn't um it wasn't like oh I need to find a way to make money it was Mm. it was more of a I need something to do that's for me um and something that I can do at home so it was kind of just a hobby that um yeah that turned into a business really um which I love, like, <laughs> I love it so That's much. Um, yeah, it is the best. But, yeah, it definitely wasn't like a, oh, I need to make money. How am I going to make money? Um, and mm. it's just sort of organically grown that way. Um, so I guess that was good. There wasn't the pressure on me at the time um, to sort of make it work. It was, again, you've probably – heard by now that I'm a, like pretty go with the flow <laughs> if it works out <laughs> it does and if it doesn't we'll find something else to do um but it was like that when I started um and it was I was really lucky to not have the pressure of like I need to do something to make money it was I just need to do something because I need something for myself with a mm-hmm. one and a two-year-old at the time yeah do you think you would return to nursing then once the girls are in school um Oh, or too hard have, to say. Yeah, I have thought about it. Um, mm-hmm. The decision that I had to make was to not renew my registration and um, a yeah. little while ago. Yeah. Um, and I made that decision based on, like, I may never go back. Um, yeah. I do think in a post-COVID nursing world, I do think um, it's probably going to be easier to go back to nursing Um, than it has been historically but again um, I've just got to the point now where I don't need to know what I will be doing in a few years time I just need to know that I'm happy doing what I'm doing now and I don't need to always have a plan I love that we're always constantly looking for the next thing and it's like actually I'm just happy right now why do I (laughs) need to keep looking forward yeah I don't always need to know what's around the corner or what I'm going to do. Yeah. 
again another massive mind shift for me like yeah I, yeah I don't like surprises and I like to know what's happening but yeah I think with motherhood a lot of that just flies out the door yeah so what would be your hardest and most enjoyable season of motherhood to date and why oh um <laughs> geez I really enjoyed like I'm gonna say two things here so that if my children ever listen to this they won't be left out <laughs> excuse me um I really enjoyed and probably took for granted um being a mum of one mm. and like it's so special being a mum of one and I loved that um time with just Nova and I think there's nothing like it now that I've got to um and I don't regret I absolutely don't regret like our age gap at all um but there's just something different about being a mum of one and your focus just being on this one kid um and they kind of become like your little bestie mm. um especially like for me when I I was a stay-at-home parent and like I didn't have a focus on work or otherwise, like, Nova was just my main focus and priority and just, yeah, having dates and, you know, she'd come yeah. literally everywhere with me and that was really special and I look back really fondly on that time. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's so hard to see that in the moment, you know, when you're like, oh, man. Um, yeah, when you've only got one kid, it feels all-consuming. And then... You have two kids and that's also all-consuming. Yeah. And suddenly you're like, man, why did I find taking one kid to the playground so hard? <laughs> but you don't know that until you've got more than one kid. It's just the joy yeah. of motherhood, right? Um, exactly. I will also say uh, that at the moment, the last few months, um, with the age that the girls are now is just so fun and um, – the way that they play together and that they're like best friends. We moved them into um, sleep in the same room, maybe. Aww. Oh, actually probably close to a year ago now. It was quite yeah. a long time ago. Um, and they're just like, I mean, they still fight like nothing else, but <laughs> I can already see like they've got each other's back. And Aww, it's just that's cool. so lovely to see um, their sisterhood bond develop I never had a sister and so I just am loving seeing um them like grow up as best friends and yeah we've definitely noticed in the last probably two or three months a really significant change um for the better like life just seems a lot easier Mm. in terms of like their needs and their independence and stuff so yeah we're really enjoying this current season of independence and yeah so nice lovely and uh yeah yeah sorry no you go oh I was gonna say to go back to the most difficult period it would have been um probably from yeah Eleanor being probably six to 18 months when I had Mm. the two um like the one and the two-year-old together Mm. was, was just really hard yeah. Someone actually um, said to me from one to two is probably like oh, the hardest yeah. age. 100%, just in terms of development say. and like they're not quite a toddler, like they are a toddler, but they're not quite a toddler because they still yeah. need you so much. Yeah. But they're not a baby mm-hmm. and they don't want to be treated, you know, like it's, yeah. I've heard that's a really tricky time. It, it is a tricky time and I found it, I did find that really tricky. Mm. Yeah. But and in saying that, like we've come out of it and it just feels like, you know, when you come out of hard things and you're like, was it mm. really that hard? But yeah, it's, it's like in the moment, it's so hard. It's like birth. And then you look back on yes. it and you're like, was it actually that painful? And then you're like, we do that again. Yeah. Oh, that actually was a question I was going to ask, but it's one of those ones that you don't really like to ask. Is there, you know, are you kind of, feel like you're done with babies now or do you still would you like to add another baby to your family (laughs) oh that's such a funny question I'm definitely going to get my husband to listen to this um yeah (laughs) yeah we are in phase of discussing a third kid um okay and we are disagreeing on some 
aspects of it. Um, so it's just like me and my husband remember the experiences of um, our babies quite differently. And so it's, it's just, it's quite funny. Um, yeah. Thinking about a third kid. I am, I am more, um, I am more ready than he is for a third child at the moment. But, um, in saying that, like his life has changed quite a lot, uh, in the last probably 12 to 18 months. Um, his role at work has changed quite a lot Mm. and he's traveling a lot, um, for work which is fine and it works fine with um the two that we've got now and this but I think he um just likes to really analyze all options before he settles on something and I'm more of a like let's just do it and sort of deal with the consequences later you sound um, exactly like me and my husband yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like you he sounds like your husband he yeah so he's like, oh, how, pathways. Gonna like, how are yeah. you going to be if I'm traveling? Like, um, yeah, so we're still, we're still discussing it, and but we haven't, we definitely haven't settled on a yes or a no yet. Mm. Yeah. I think it's one of those things as well. Sometimes it's almost better if it just accidentally happened. Oh, I know. <laughs> and you, don't right? to, you can't analyze it and you can't the overthink it. And times it. I've like wished for an accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, just. The universe just needs to make this decision for me. I would love to know on that kind of note then, what would be your advice to someone who is expecting their second and they've they've got, you know, a similar gap to you? Like, do you have some top tips in terms of, you know, getting through and, and how to prepare for that? Oh, um, top tips. Um, a village really helps. I know mm. that's so cliche, but. It really does. Um, at the time that I was having my second, I um, had the most phenomenal group of friends um, who all had first babies around the same age. Um, and some of them were expecting their second babies at the same time as me or a little bit after me. And um, we all had, you know, really similar ethos and parenting philosophies and that sort of thing. And that was just, um, amazing like I can't mm-hmm. even put into words like how helpful that sort of thing is um, yeah grandparents if you've got them like hold on to them yeah <laughs> um, that sort of thing like that does help um, but if you if even if you don't have any of that stuff um, I found communication with my husband but any mm. other like carer that you've got for your children is um absolutely vital like I could just yeah the other person like don't expect your other half to be a mind reader Mm. and yeah um like I just used to think oh he just comes home from work and like I've been at home with the kids all day but like I don't know how stressful his day's been at work and he doesn't know how stressful my day's been at home with the kids if we don't talk to each other. Um, yeah, and so that, I think, is really vital. Um, practical things like stashing your freezer with meals that are easy to reheat and eat, yeah. um, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, not judging yourself too harshly. Like, if your kid needs to eat chicken nuggets for dinner, then your kid needs to eat chicken nuggets for dinner. Like, it's... That's cool. It's not going to ruin their life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There's bigger things yeah. to worry about in life. There's bigger things to worry about. And, like, yeah, the, the, you said it, you, that's not going to ruin their life. That can go for a whole number of things that, um, again, like the noise of social media, you know, mm. you, there's so much out there that says, you know, you have to do this, you have to do this, and this underlying tone of, like, if you don't, then you're going to ruin your child and that's just so untrue and it can be so damaging um but yeah just do what you got to do like do what you I saw do. something really cool cuz I'm really bad at this as well like sometimes I get to the end of the day and I'm like oh was I 
was I good at being a mum today or was I kind of just like glazed over and just like getting through? And then I saw this thing and maybe it's a little bit cheesy, but it was like if you've got 40% energy and you give 40% that day, you gave 100%. And I just always remind myself of that now because I'm like, if I am, if the the tank's low, it's the end of the week, I'm ready for the weekend to double parent and I still give all I've got that day. Even if it's not much, you know that is giving a hundred percent, and I think we just all just need to be a bit nicer to ourselves. Like, yeah, absolutely, yeah. There's we so much pressure. pressure. So much pressure. It's crazy, isn't it? And like, <laughs> you know, we look back on our mothers' generations or our grandmothers' generations, and um, absolutely, they had their own challenges that we don't deal with now. But um, we have we have different challenges, and we just like. Mm. We just can't compare, and you just can't compare to anyone, even like in our own peer group. Like every mother is different, every child is different, every family is different, and you've just got to do what works for you. But if you can find some mates that have, uh, um, you know, similar ethos and parenting philosophy, I think that really helps. Mm. Yeah, it almost doesn't matter what your parenting philosophy is as long as you've got mates that feel the same and you can, yeah, yeah the camaraderie. Yeah. What is something you wished you knew about babies or becoming a mum that you didn't know that you think would have been helpful to know earlier on? Oh, man. <clears throat> you know, I I um, I was a NICU nurse before I had oh, okay. babies. So I feel like, um, well, I felt like at the time I was going to be this baby expert and um, mm. nothing was going to surprise me. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I've learned uh, is how different every child is. Um, and, you know, mm. like you hear that, you hear that your whole life. Like every person's different, every child is different. I absolutely did not fully comprehend that until I had two children who were mm. so completely different from each other. Um, it was like you feel like you've clocked motherhood when you've got one and you've like figured out how they tick and you've figured out things that work for them and then you have another mm. child and the same things don't work and you're like, I've used all the tools in my toolbox. Yeah. <laughs> What's next? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just, that was really surprising to me. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think it's something that anybody could have told me or prepared me for. Um, but I think, yeah, like practically speaking, if I was to mm. try and explain that to a new mum, I would say, um, like, just don't stress if something that is working for your friend's kid or your, you know, or your first child or your second child isn't working for your current child um, because every every child is really different and it's just a matter of figuring out the one, you know, mm. what's going to work with that one, yeah. Yeah, and it comes so, into, like, not comparing and all that sort of thing, um, yeah. Oh, no, I think that's such good advice and I'm kind of thinking here, I'm like, Oh, damn, because I thought, you know, we're at seven months and I'm like, I think I've got Louie pretty figured out. But, yeah, who knows if we have another baby down the path and it could be just a totally different experience. I have a funny story. So my husband's mother, um, they had always wanted four four kids. Like they wanted a big family and they had my husband's the eldest, so they had Luke first and Luke was a very cruisy, easy baby. Kind of sounds like Nova, like, would just sit there happily and like go with the flow. They could kind of just live their normal lives. Then they had baby number two. So Luke's younger brother. And that experience meant that they actually didn't have any further children. They stopped at two. They never got to three or (laughs) four because he was just so different and such, you know, like full he's such a big personality full on as an adult so you can just as a baby that was that was there and it just completely different personalities completely different babies and she said she could have had four Lukes but there was no way she could have had 
even one more of his brother. Yeah. <laughs> and it just goes to show it. It's a risk, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, they said that a lot, um, even about Eleanor. Um, you know, if Eleanor had been our first child, we wouldn't have had the small gap that we had because mm. her needs were so different to Nova's. I would love to wrap up our conversation um, with just one memorable poo explosion story that you have. Um, yes, I do. Do you know, in two babies, I've only had one poo explosion in my whole what? motherhood journey. Um, and we were cloth nappy users, and so I do think that that um, helped not have the poo explosions. But mm. I remember the first time um, I talked about how we go on this camping trip. So the first time we went camping with both kids, Eleanor was five months old. Um, and when we went camping, I had her in disposable nappies for the first time probably ever. Um, okay. And that was fine. Um, but I remember I'd left the campsite. I'd taken her to the supermarket um, and I'd put her in a capsule Taking her to the supermarket, she'd fallen asleep on the drive. So I thought, oh, that's okay. I'll just leave her in the capsule and put the capsule, you know, like some trolleys have that capsule holder. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd put her in that and that was fine. I'm walking around the supermarket. It's like the height of summer, late January in um, Fakatane. So it's, like, it's hot. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just feel like when it's hot, poo smells worse. <laughs> I don't know if it's a real thing or if it's just my imagination. But I'm walking around the supermarket and I'm like, I can smell, I can smell poo. But she's fast asleep (laughs) and I can't see anything. And then I'm walking around the supermarket thinking, is it on me? Like, you know, when you're a mum and you're like, I can, what is that? Is it on me? Where is it coming from? I don't know where it's coming from. And then. I suddenly looked down and I saw that it um, was all through, like, her capsule. She'd, like, tunanied up her back and it was, like, all through her capsule. And I had, like, just come to the supermarket, hadn't brought a baby bag or anything with me because I thought, oh, she's probably just going to fall asleep. We'll just run to the supermarket and run out again. And I don't have a change of clothes. I didn't have anything with me. She's still, like, fast asleep totally oh <laughs> but I was so embarrassed walking through the supermarket because I'm like all these people are probably walking past me thinking like are you going to change your child or are you just going to like <laughs> leave them sitting there and you, you know you think everyone's judging you but um anyway grabbed a packet of nappies grabbed some whites from the supermarket and I actually opened the packet of whites in the aisle <laughs> like tried to try to wipe down as oh my god and like mask the smell um yeah, while I just yeeted out of the supermarket um, oh. and got her back. And then, of course, I had to take the whole capsule apart and put it through the washing machine. But that is oh, the yeah. only time I have had um, a poo explosion. Although one is just springing to mind now, and it's less of a poo explosion and more of a um, toilet training moment. Uh, oh, Nova, like as well? Yes. Uh, Nova... She'd been in undies for a long time, maybe like five or six months, and um, Eleanor was still quite young. Um, and we had gone to Mita 10 on a rainy afternoon with some friends, you know, indoor playground, get the kids running around. Um, nice. And I had, I can't remember if Eleanor, I don't even know what she was doing, if she was asleep in the pram or what, but Nova was playing on the playground and me and um, a friend of mine were eating lunch at the cafe just sort of outside and um, all of a sudden I noticed that Nova wouldn't come down from the top of the slide. Like, What's going on? And so um, I called out to her, are you going to come down the slide? She says, no, I don't want to come down the slide. I don't want to come down the slide. And she's like two, two and a half. You know what toddlers can be like. And I thought, what's going on? Um, and anyway, I managed to get her to tell me that she had done a poo in her undies. I thought, okay, that's all right. Let's just come down and we'll go down to the bathroom and get changed. And she was so embarrassed about it that she refused to come down the Martin playground. And so there I was climbing up the Martin playground with like my wet bag and my wipes and my change of clothes. And I just had to change her and clean her up at the top of the Martin playground. Um, Oh my God. I mean, you kind of covered it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we were kind of like covered in, and it was fine. We were the only ones there with our friends, so it was it was totally fine midweek. You know, it wasn't busy, but it was it was just so funny. My friend said, "Remember that time you had to climb up the playground because she wouldn't come down? She'd done a yeah, yeah." So those Aww. are my only two poo stories, one each. That's very impressive. I feel like I've had more already with Louis. But maybe that's because I'm quite often just like, oh, no, nah, he'll be sweet. And then yeah, it's always those times, right? Like it's always, always the times when you're unprepared that yeah. it all it all just happens. Yeah. It's oh. always the times you're like, oh, I'll just nip out without my baby bag. Never. Yeah. Never. I literally the other day, me and my husband were like, oh, we'll just go for a walk in the afternoon. So we loaded up the car and I was like, well, he's already done a, a poo today so I think we'll be sweet and we get to where we were going and Louis always poos in the car like it must be the position or something and of course he did another poo and I had brought no wipes no nappy nothing and I was like I really want to do this walk like I'm not prepared to pack up and go home now and so we were at anyone that lives Mount Monganui Tauranga, we were at the mount and I just decided Pilot Bay, there were so many families out for the afternoon that I was just going to go look for someone that had a pram with a baby that looked a similar age to Louie and I just asked for a nappy and a wipe and they, I found someone within like a minute and we did the change in the back of the car and then we continued on our way. I just have no shame now. I'm like, oh, well. You know, oh, well. bit of baby Everyone's food. Everyone's been there. <laughs> oh, I've just loved speaking with you, Becky. I think it's so nice that you're able to share your experience. Um, you know, juggling two under two tandem feeding—it's just really incredible. And I think it's cool that we can share these sorts of stories because you know they're not the ones that you hear of all the time. So thank you so much for being so open. Um, you're and so if welcome. anyone anyone wants to check out your um, your business nice twice i will tag it in the show notes as well so they can go in and do a little bit of vintage shopping um some Thank super you. i really appreciate it. it no of course and so i will leave it there but again yeah just a big thank you